Welcome to Lady Leadership, the podcast that celebrates and empowers women in leadership roles. I'm your host, Sam McIntyre. In each episode, we'll dive deep into the experiences, challenges and triumphs of extraordinary women who are making their mark in various industries. My mission is to amplify the voices of women leaders, to share their stories, insights and wisdom. By doing so, we can break down barriers, challenge stereotypes and pave the way for a more inclusive and diverse future. Welcome to the Lady Leadership Podcast, the show that celebrates and empowers women in leadership. I'm your host, Sam McIntyre, and today we have a beauty industry founder and expert and passionate advocate for sustainability and self-care, Bryony Kennedy. Welcome to the show, Bryony. Thank you for having me. bit exciting. Yes. Now, you're looking really bright today. I... Um, for our listeners, Brian is uh, in in a really nice. I am actually. I'm very, I'm very matchy, matchy, aren't I? I've got the pink and the 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 jumper and the lips matching. Beautiful. Now, Bryony is the founder and face of Adorn Cosmetics and joins us to share her inspiring journey and the impactful work she, she's doing in the world of beauty. As a former professional makeup artist, Bryony understands the significance of using high-quality products with safe ingredients. Her commitment to the environment has driven Adorn Cosmetics to go beyond producing premium beauty items and embrace sustainable practices. Since its establishment in 2008, Adorn Cosmetics has been a trust Australian beauty brand backed by real certifications and a dedication to planet and people. Love oh, it. Yeah, couldn't have said that better myself. Thank you for that introduction. That's lovely. You probably did say it yourself, Bryony. I'm sure I've grabbed it off your website. Yes, it's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like that, but thank you. Yes, it's been a uh, quite a, a long journey wow yeah 15 15 years uh now so not did i expect it to uh sort of end where end up so far um it definitely started as you know your typical home-based business so yeah lots of learnings along the way that's for sure yeah tell me about that and i think particularly um did how long ago did you start in the sustainability piece was that right from the go the get-go yeah look for me, I think um, sustainability started when, um, and, and you probably would remember that, and, and some of our younger people may not, but when uh, recycling first came into play, do you remember that, when they gave us the second bin? And for me, I was just, as a, as a kid, thought, this is awesome. Like, I loved being able to separate out all the rubbish and it used to drive my mum nuts. So I think I just had this innate um I don't know. It was it was just in me to want to do that and do better. And um, I've always had a love for animals. I've always had um, bird aviaries and um, bred guinea pigs. I've had mice. You you name it. My I was known as having a menagerie in my backyard. And so my entrepreneurial journey, I suppose, started around the same time. I used to buy and sell animals, and um, oh, wow. I've even got a profit and loss book uh, that I recorded <laughs> it all in, um, I would have been maybe about 11 or so at the time. And what I realised was uh, not only that I needed to sell a lot of the offspring or I'd end up with the next Melbourne yeah. Zoo, but I'd also sell the food. And I noticed that where I was buying the food in bulk, if I made it into smaller bags, I'd be able to sell it for 
more than what I was buying the bulk, but less than, say, what people were buying from the shop. So I had a little business going where I would sell the offspring, you know, package it up with a bit of the food. I'd go around on my bike picking up old cages that people were throwing out hard rubbish and then I'd have a cage to put these budgies in. And um, and I even rented out guinea pigs to my friends that were not allowed to have friends, oh. uh, pets rather. <laughs> so I would on a Monday morning collect 50 cents for the rental of the guinea pig. But the, the guinea pig was a yeah, they could visit it once a week. And, um, you know, so really I think I've just got that I suppose knack where I've been able to fill um, or solve pain points for people. And I guess my journey with the Dawn, I do have a a corporate sort of a sales background um, and being a a creative and someone who really loves colour, I did the makeup artistry after hours. It was just something that I loved doing. I still colour in to this day. I have a colouring in um, area in the house and I just zone out. And I I did that with the makeup and it was – probably a year or so before I found out I was pregnant with my twin boys, I purchased a salon to get out of, yeah, yeah, just to get out of the, uh, the corporate rat race, so to speak. So I was selling uh, cars and cars, car accessories. So I went from that to (laughs) a salon, couldn't get any more of a contrast if you tried. And through that beauty salon, I learnt a lot hands-on about what uh, customers were wanting and that could be for take-home, in-salon. And so after my journey with that, I not long after found out that I was having my twin boys and was quite sick for a long time after that um, until they were born basically. And then when they were born about six months in, I thought, oh, I want to do something because you get bored when you've got twin babies. <laughs> I was say. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it twins, might- but hang on, let me let me start a business. Yeah. There might be something to do with uh, in recent years I've been diagnosed with ADHD and I think, gee, if I had only knew that a little bit earlier on, a lot would make sense. Uh, so I embarked on Something for me, but also drawing on what I would learnt from the salon. <laughs> and so what I set up was very much like a party plan initially where I went around to, didn't think it would work. I, I thought people wouldn't even be interested, but they were. And I, I would go to people's homes and teach them how to apply makeup and do their skincare. And so this is, that was just, this is sort of around the time of Nutramedics because that's how yeah. old I am. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I, rem- I remember using it too. What was that orange stuff? Remember the orange apricot one? Oh, yeah. And it was so thick and, but it was smelt divine. God knows what it did to our faces. But anyway, uh, we digress. So it was, yeah, very much the party plan style. And so what I found that, was it worked and women loved it because someone was taking the time, especially the more mature women, someone was taking the time to, sh- to, to educate them and maybe just restyle what they've done for a long time. Then I got to the point where I thought, well, I'm not really happy with the products that I'm kind of recommending and, and in addition to not being happy with them, why am I giving these other brands all yeah. of these, yeah. you know, this money when yeah. I could – Another source of income for me. So I remembered that when I had the salon, I had met somebody who had um, a manufacturing 
plant and in Australia and they produced cosmetics. And I thought, I wonder what's involved with this. Uh, little did I know a lot. And uh, <laughs> would I do this again? That's another question. But anyway, I embarked on creating my own range so that I could continue these classes and obviously capitalise on on my earning potential. Um, what what but, year was this? Because like this ooh, is... 2008. Yeah, yeah. Do you think? Do you think it was a bit, a little bit like little? Do I know? And you know, I'll just go this next step, and then I'll just go this next step, and uh-huh. then I'll just go this. Yeah, step. yeah. Abs- absolutely. It was definitely not where I look at. You know, um, in re- more recent years, you see a lot of startups where it's it's to getting you know investment on board and raising capital. Mm. Um, no, that is not not what I did, and nor was it something that. Um, even in, you know, as the years sort of progressed, have I ever sort of been interested in either? I've always wanted to sort of drive this myself, obviously with the support of a team around me. But you're right, it was very much, oh, this is working. Let's add another layer and add another layer. And then before before I knew it, here I am. Um, definitely with a lot of, <laughs> you know, a lot of big bumps along the way as well. But I guess essentially for me, wanting to create something for myself um, but doing it in a way that was cautious, that gave me a bit of freedom to still be home with my boys and, like you said, layering what was working as as I went along. From a product point of view, though, I was really passionate about creating something that I felt proud and didn't have any guilt using. And for me, what that meant was supporting local Yes, um, because yeah. it made sense. It made sense to me. I mean, Adorn was very much a pioneer in this space, and you know, yes, it's it's definitely uh, moved in this direction now, which is fantastic to see. So many brands taking up all of these initiatives, but I think the hardest thing for me, fifteen years ago, was we were very much the beginners of this, mm. and it, it did involve a lot of. It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't fashionable. It wasn't trendy. It wasn't. And it, it, is, it is hard sometimes to be that kind of first player. and The education piece, yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. And it, it is because I think if you've got the passion, though, people want to come along with that because they, you know, you're attracted to positivity, aren't you? So when someone's passionate, I think that makes it a little bit easier. But, yes, it's that education that you spend a lot of time and money investing in to get the sales um, to come through. So, you know, for me it was and definitely a lot harder back then. Yeah. Was it still you were still so you create so you're doing the parties, you then create your own product line and then you started selling that at the parties. That was kind of this the step. And then yeah. did you go into retailers at that point or then you went online? How, what was the kind of the next phase? Yeah. So the progression of that was that I had people calling me for more product and I was like, oh. Oh, right. So you've gone to the parties and it's like I want you now, I want to, yep, get that. Reorder, yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, wow, they want to reorder. This is maybe I'm on to something here. Um, I did attempt to train other people to to perform the parties a bit like, yes, a party plan. Um, yep. And it worked for a little bit, but it was it was not really what I wanted to do. It, yep. I ended up sort of, you know, managing people and it, it was too hard. Not everybody had the same sort of level as passion as I did, et cetera. So I thought, well, I can't afford to go into retail 
because of back then, you know, the and even now, the cost to do that and the margin, yeah. because yeah. I was buying such small amount of product, I, I just didn't have the margins to even do that if I wanted to. Um, the other reason I didn't look at retailers at that point or have I since is because we are a minimalist company. So if you buy lipstick, that's what you get. There's no box. There's no outer plastic right, or wow. hygiene. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're very much about producing what you need and that is it. Nice. Um, and so no decorative so, box. There's so much packaging, isn't there? Yeah. Like yeah. let's do the, the plastic layer, then the beautiful box, then whatever's inside it. And then, you know, like it's just. Then we're going to write on a. Then we're going to print out a piece of paper and et cetera. Et cetera. Oh, it's too, yeah. too much. And so I guess sometimes what you can't do forces you into a good place I think we often get caught up with oh I can't I can't afford this but definitely a lot of the leaps of faith that I had to take definitely became advantageous for us because I was forced into this area as well and so online was the only option Um, and and as you could probably appreciate 15 years ago there wasn't that many colour cosmetic brands selling online uh and and if you were you really your main point of play was in a store somewhere or a department store yeah. you know online yeah. was an afterthought so it was a huge risk i suppose back then um but also one that paid off because of course we we've, we've navigated towards that and more so during covid we were very much geared for that online space where a lot of other brands had to sort of fumble and quickly catch up. But um, it was just, it was a thing. I had I had to do that. I had to look at how can we get the product out to the masses with very limited resources, manpower and money to do it. And um, how did you, know, you then create, I suppose I, it's a bit easier to create websites these days, but how did you create your first oh, website then back in? <laughs> oh, oh. Sam, that we're hot. We did a whole podcast all around. Because <laughs> I, I've, I've spent, I've spent thirty years in technology, so I started creating websites you, back you in the year two thousand. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, I'm surprised I've got a hair on my head. Look, it, initially we started with a, a site. I think it was called Drupal at the time, um, and that was oh, yeah. because we were looking at that party plan situation uh-huh. then we had to pull it off that and then we went to uh magento now oh, yes. yeah now and we're still on magento um i guess and you, you had know, to upgrade to magento too not too long ago because magento mm. one still doesn't work yeah you know what i'm talking correct about. yeah all, all good fun yeah that's it and look you know shopify and things like that were not what they are now no, um, God no, you know no. but for that customer, there was a few things we needed to, to be done custom and, and that was kind of the option. Um, you know, would I be on that platform now? Another conversation. But anyway, that's that's sort of the tra- trajectory that we went on and it was not an easy one because, of course, you constantly got to figure things out. There was a stage yeah. there where, you know, we ha- did some upgrades and some orders were coming through telling us they'd been paid, um, the orders weren't paid for, so we'd been sending out stock to people who hadn't even paid and oh you name it it was just it was just a debacle but you know you iron these things out as time goes on don't you yeah tell me then about you know you've got the twins I think you've got three boys now is that right oh uh uh-huh yeah sure do yeah I've got twins they're 15 and um and my youngest is just turned nine good you had a bit of a break (laughs) I I needed one (laughs) 
that how did that go then because there's there's benefits to um you know running your own business and having a family and then there's also non-benefits to having your own business and having a family tell me how you've worked around some of that yeah look I think the first thing um you know if I could tell my younger self it would be uh just to remember you can't be all things to everybody um and I'd also tell myself you can't have everything at one time. Um, You need, in my opinion, to select three or four areas of your life that you want to focus on and the other things have to take a back seat. It's a little bit like Economics 101, isn't it? It's that opportunity cost of doing something. So, you know, I wish I had said to myself, okay, you're business owner and mum and, you know, fitness is third and then, you know, friends and family are just going to have to take a back burner outside that at the moment rather than running myself ragged trying to do everything for everyone. Um, I think it was difficult initially because I, I had um, suffered postnatal depression and um, and struggled with that for many years but with, I was able to. With the twins or with the. Yeah, with, the tw- yeah, with my yeah. twins, yeah. So I was still able to obviously function because I set the business up but I was definitely very high and low I'd be okay and then I would have a you know I'd fall in a heap and um so my mental health was definitely not good for the first five years of the Adorn brand um so I I guess I probably have to pat myself on the back for even sticking through that to be honest um because it wasn't a great time and it was really just um something I, I don't think I could have controlled but then of course it was all also compounded by the fact that I decided to start a business and I had yeah. twins as well. So yeah. when was um, it did you seek yeah. diagnosis at the time or did you yeah, yeah. yeah you did okay well that's good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like you, I'm one thing with me is I'm, you know, I think I'm, I'm a very open person, and I think if you can at least be open about how you're feeling, um, you know, it's amazing how much help you can get. So I don't think you should be suffering unnecessarily, and you just don't know who might be able to assist. So that was something I definitely went and got diagnosed for. Um, not that I knew, wrong, but I just knew I didn't want to to be that way and as it yeah. turns out that was I was what was wrong and I was put on medication for that so um so what I did was practice being in the moment and I know it sounds cliche we talk about that a bit but it, it's so very true that you need to do that and for my survival and I mean this genuinely for my survival I had to practice being in the moment because what was happening that was, you know, causing these issues more was the fact that when I was working, I was thinking about the boys. When Mm. I was with the boys, I was feeling guilty about not doing enough Mm. for the job or, you know, and so I have to very much, um, you know, zone in to zone out. And and so that's something that I've had to practice over many, many, many years. And I'd say I'm 98% got it down pat. um, Because otherwise, you know, you are just making yourself ill Um, and for a lot of people you know um, sometimes the alternative is not a great one look I think that's a a terrific piece of advice because you know you can let your mind run off with what you should be doing or what's happening with that or this or the other thing and none of it's happened well none of it's like you're just Uh creating and then like you said you know particularly as your children get older and I've I've got a 15 year old as well it's a little bit easier yeah. you know it's 
it's there's our challenges and then you know they're also finding their own way in the world and you know you're not having to dress them and you know they're not crying at the drop of a hat but you've got other issues and so you do find you Mm. get a little bit more of your own self back and of your own time back and but but it's also I I know i you know, when I had young children, I would feel guilty for not being there at something or, and, you know, they don't remember as well. No, they don't. They don't. But I think, you know, and it, and I've put a lot of research into this too. And I mean, it's very much, um, you know, because our infants are born so helpless, you know, we are, um, I suppose, we're just created so that we react to their noises and to yeah. their needs, which is great because otherwise we'd probably just, leave them on the side of the road somewhere at times in a, I don't know, just leave them for someone else. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you, you that then also causes issues around feeling like you've got to be all about them and um, and it becomes very hard. And I, and I do, even to this day, still come across a lot of women that will say to me, oh, you know, um, like I, they may look up to me and then they'll say, oh, I'm just a mum. And I'm like, hang on a minute, you're not just anything, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, super that's important. Right. Super important role, um, but my advice around anything that any woman or, or man is doing is just do what makes you happy and do what you want because at the end of the day, you know, you might look, someone might be listening to this and they might look up to you because you've got your podcast or me because I've got a dawn and that's great to have aspirations, but it's also nothing more important than having clarity around what actually really means happiness to you and happiness to you may be living off just bare minimum and, you know, not having a car, living out of a caravan, traveling and living your best life and, um, you know, or or staying at home with your kids or whatever it is. Um, I feel that we're very much caught in this perpetuating wheel of having to have more and having to have more status, having more money, having more, 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 more. And it's like, no, you don't have to. So that would be my biggest, um, I suppose, message to anyone is there's so many things that you can you can teach and divulge around your business journey. But my first one would be, do you even want to do this? Really? Like, really, do you want to do this? Yeah, this will make you laugh. I started a beauty business actually. And um and yeah, it was actually um it was for beauty professionals um yeah. to call someone and get them to come to their house to get their makeup done. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And so I created a whole technology platform, et cetera, to do that. And we signed up about six hundred or so beauty professionals. Wow. And then I realized I actually don't really enjoy organizing other people to get their makeup done. Yeah. I, like, I like getting my own makeup and head mm-hmm. up home. Mm-hmm. But actually doing that for other people is a bit boring. And, yes, that's it. And, but, but, you know, creating that platform and creating that business and getting that perspective was great. And then mm. it actually, so uh, I dragged my husband into this um, and, you know, so he helped out. As we out, do. As we do, that's right. So, he, <laughs> you know, he helped well. out or he was he was working full-time in the business at one point. And, um, but he also learned heaps as well. You know, we built a whole website. We built uh, like oh. a platform, you know, we had a There's whole There's something to process. take away, isn't there? Correct. Yeah, yeah. You know, all those learnings, just learning how to start a business, you know, schedules, the whole kind of thing. Like we, we wouldn't say that it was a that we shouldn't have done it because no. it actually helped both our careers. And so. Absolutely. And that's what, the, you know, there's, there is also strength in knowing when to uh, let go of something um, rather than just to continue yeah. on it. 
yeah, on that journey. That was, so. that was probably the hardest was to, and, and COVID actually was kind of the deciding yeah. factor and we were like, yeah, let's just shut it down. So yeah, no, that's one, it. But, no but one's like going you said, all yeah. these amazing things that you take away from it and, you know, I mean, even some of the monumental, costly, I won't call them mistakes because, you know, you could go to uni and have spend three, four years educating yourself around something and, and, you know, you've got that debt to pay. So I'm one of these people where I like to just, you know, learn real quick, fail real fast and just get on with it because time to me is the most precious thing. Of course, it needs to be you know, calculated to some degree. Um, yeah. But I think that, you know, mistakes are, are blessings in disguise. They're what not to do, move on and, and you know, do something else. And if you find that it's a business or a part of a business that you don't enjoy, either outsource it, which I'm a big believer, employ mm. people that are better than you at certain things. Yeah. Um, because if you haven't, you, you, what, you, you've just bought yourself a job. You've not bought yourself a business or started a business at all. You've just bought yourself another, another position. Mm, yeah and I think that is the thing when you do start out you do you know you kind of you do all the things and then you have to yeah you have to and then you go no I actually don't want to do that anymore I'm going to hire someone to do that and that that's the benefit you know but but sometimes it can be quite some period of time before you get yourself to that point as well Uh yes well I remember hiring my first staff member and uh, so the business was being run from our home in Glen Waverley at the time and to support this little thing that I'd started I had started doing beauty treatments from home so I did a little had my double pram and I was out dropping leaflets saying that I I do all these waxing so I had a real good following with eyebrows because I used to do a lot of eyebrow waxing and so I thought well if I can get people to come to the house I'm not sure if that would be a thing because, again, 15 years ago, home-based things were not really a thing. But people did. And I ended up having a lot of people coming to the house for waxing. So I had one room in the house with a waxing bed and then I had one shitty little desk in the corner. And so on one day a week I do all the beauty treatments. I finally could afford to hire one person to help me out. So I gave her the desk and I would sit on the floor (laughs) (laughs) So I had had my own little pile on the carpet and uh, gave her the desk and that's how we we worked. Um, And then, of course, the day that I had the waxing, well, you know, she went out and watched watched my boys. So, you know, a lot of the money that I made, it was really just I didn't see any of it. It was to pay her so that it gave me time to do something else. And to work on the business and to grow the business, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then the next step from there was um, having enough money to then hire a nanny because I was really adamant I didn't want my boys in um, daycare until they were at least one, which I achieved that. So then my money went to a nanny a day a week. So, you know, uh, at least I was still home with them, but I could get some things done. And so that's really how it kind of started. Like financially, my husband and I, you know, we didn't have a lot of money behind us. Um, We had a home that we had had purchased but didn't own outright. So we would do things like dog walking. I had dog sitting. Uh, We had people dropping off dogs. Our backyard (laughs) would be full of dogs. I had one lady, she dropped them off and one had a nappy on it. And and, and I'm like, what is this I'm getting myself into here? But, you know, 
you name it, I did it to make money um, just to, to, to survive and for us to to keep going. And so, you know, obviously as your business gets bigger, then bigger investments required. And we did um, sell our house at one point there and, in, and invested that money into um, the growth of Adorn as well. Wow. Wow. And, I mean, that would have been a huge decision. Yes, it was. Um, again, it was probably a forced decision. It was a... Do we believe in this enough to keep going? Yeah. Um, and, and if we do, then we need more money because cash flow was just not just non-existent. Um, yeah. As much as the brand has always grown, and that was the, the difficult thing for me for the first nine years, I did not take a wage. That's mm-hmm. a huge amount of time to not take any kind of wage. And I think um, I think some people getting into their first business kind of aren't don't don't get that and it's not it's not something that a lot of people talk about and but i hear oh. it with a lot of people who've had their own businesses that they're they're not taking a wage that they're you know they're living off say a partner's salary or or whatever very common that's it that's right and you know so it was um supported through my husband working and as i said it was doing all these other things as well. So if I had to do a um, a wedding makeup or or whatever I could do to make a little bit of money just to make things easy, yeah. the business yeah. was paying for itself, um, but there was things that we had to do to invest. And as I said, that was selling our house at the time um, and, you know, definitely not an easy decision. But, you know, luckily I had a husband and still have a husband that believes in everything I do and he's been very, very supportive supportive um, of of those decisions and he's never questioned them, which is great. And so when I hit 40, I was able to buy my first house because uh, the house that we originally had was my husband's. It was ours, but it was his first. Yeah. And so I was really proud that, you know, it might have taken me, you know, 13 odd years to do that, but um, it, was, it was a proud moment that I was able to eventually get the house back in an yeah. area that my husband wanted and, yeah. um, you know, make it all worthwhile. Beautiful. What are the plans now for? I mean, that's like that's quite the journey, isn't it? Really, when you think about it, like fifteen years. I mean, <laughs> drop your dog off at the city and get some waxing while you're there. <laughs> There's a whole new business set. <laughs> <laughs> that is. Make hilarious. sure you don't get it mixed up the wrong <laughs> way around. You get <laughs> the dog gets waxed. <laughs> well, you, you said your husband and he leaves having been waxed and like still with the dog. <laughs> That's what my my husband would do. That. He'd, he'd oh my God, we're opening up a whole new session, a whole new podcast. <laughs> oh, too that funny. is the funniest thing I've heard. <laughs> God. Look, what what's next? What's next? Well, I won't be dog walking or waxing <laughs> up anyone's uh, bits, that's for sure, for a while. Um, so what's next for us is looking at uh, testing some global expansion. So yeah. um, I think what's amazing at the moment is the marketplaces that have become available over the most recent years where if you are wanting to dip your toe without sort of spending too much money, um, because it is, it's a huge investment. Um, and I think people are not quite aware of how different the countries are to us, that they all work very differently. Yes. And just yeah. because, you know, the US is the US, it, they just don't work the same way. So um, 
So it's good to see there's so many opportunities now that you can test the water. So something like an Amazon maybe, um, Marketplacer, um, and also looking at um, possible distribution overseas. We'll we'll see how that goes. Um, But we're really getting very, very clear on a concept that I've got for an in-store experience. So that's something that... um, you know, I hope may come to fruition in the next sort of year or two and quite different to what is available at the moment, very um, very experience-based but definitely in line with that whole sustainability side of things as well. Um, so for me it's just about how do we get more people exposed to the Adorn brand so that they can feel that love and kindness that we offer when it comes to skincare and makeup and and just help constantly minimize you know our impact that's Mm. super important to me how can we constantly be doing things better and kinder love it and um i would just like to say Bryony, so exciting such fun talking to you really a good insight to what it takes to actually create a big business and all the (laughs) all the challenges in between and um thank you so much for sharing your story with the the audience and i know that people are going to be inspired and um oh that's what i was going to say to you what is your favorite products tell me oh 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 okay have you got a favorite yeah my favorite is the peachy sleep concealer uh i have the worst dark hereditary circles under my eyeballs that I look like I haven't slept for a hundred years. Probably true to some degree, but this product just hides it. So, the Peachy Sleep Concealer is my favourite, um, and then the Loose Mineral Foundation. It just looks like nice skin. I can't stand feeling products on my face, so that's yeah. one of the fundamentals with the Adorn range is you can't feel the products. Um, yeah. So it's really hard, but those two would definitely be uh, my favourites um, and the highlighting compact that we've just brought out recently. Love it. It's just so easy. You can do so many things with the four colours that are in there. We love multi-purpose. Adorn's very much about if you buy a lipstick, you can put it on your cheeks, your eyes, you know, get full use of the product um, rather than wasting it. And One of the things I wanted to say too, Sam, before we finish is that I think if we've got some women that are listening that are on this business journey, I think you need to learn to be vulnerable. I think that's another thing that we we often don't talk about. I think people feel they've got to project this, this strength and this I know what I'm doing attitude, which let's face it, most of the time is a load of shit. Most people are treading water underneath and trying to look like they've got their shit together on top. And I I think that when you start to be vulnerable, yes, you'll find some people that might, you know, take advantage of that, but use your gut. You'll soon be able to sift them Mm. off. And then the ones that genuinely care will be able to give you some really good insight as to you know what you what you might need to do or what you could be doing differently or just provide some support because you can't do this sort of stuff on your own and I think the biggest fear that most people have is the fear of failing and often people won't start businesses because they're concerned about the failing not so much the failing it's everyone else says about them Yes, yeah, it's yeah. like what does this say about me? I'm yeah. a failure. Yeah, no, no, the business might not have. The business may be 
might it might fail. Look at these big businesses that that are that are uh, going out of business now that have been around for a long, long time. It's not always the idea. It's sometimes it's not the right time, um, or, or the execution's not being right. So there's lots of successful people that have had businesses that have failed, um, and it's not always the concept or the idea. It's other things around it. So I think you have to learn to put your ego aside. Remember, it's not about you. Um, and it's it's very much about the the product or the service that you're offering. Get good support. Except there might be some failings, and that's okay. Because anyone that says they've never failed at anything in their business is absolutely freaking lying. Because yeah. it's bullshit. I mean, yeah. there's there's not a day where I'm not failing at something. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, Shonda. Just Shonda, put it to side. Shonda Rhimes, who's the writer of. Um, Oh, I kind of remember the Grey's Anatomy and other shows. She's like, when I'm turning up in one area oh, yes. of my life, I'm failing in another place in my life. If I'm turning up for the kids, then I haven't done something at work. If I'm turning up for work, then something hasn't happened with the kids. That's it. Yeah, yeah that's it. And and you know what? You can't like, and this is something I have to teach myself because, um, as I mentioned to you off um, off air, I I have got ADHD, so I'm like all over the place but I'm also I'm not I'm not a messy ADHD person I'm I'm, I've got OCD as well so I'm extremely high functioning with getting lots of stuff done but I've got to learn you don't need to spend every minute of the day doing something because it's not constructive my best ideas and I think most people's best ideas will come when you give yourself time to step back, step away from your children if you feel like putting them out the front for someone to collect, step away from your business if you feel like you want to get rid of it. Just just give yourself 24 hours to just sort of debrief and I think you'll find the solutions just come to you. You don't have to fill your day with stuff or things to do and that's something I'm still practising um, and hopefully I get right before I'm retirement age not that I'll ever retire I don't think I don't think think you'll be retiring no thank you so much Bryony so insightful absolutely love it the last piece of advice is true gold Uh, I've been uh, guilty of piling things into my day and you know trying to tick lists and all the rest of it and then if I'm not getting something done feeling bad about it so um, the best advice is yeah take a step back go for a walk go and do something you enjoy have some fun Yeah. Yeah. Be proud of not how busy you are. Be proud mm. of how much free time you give yourself. Yeah. Love it. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks, Samantha. I appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the show. I would love for you to hit subscribe and leave a review, and that will allow the show to be circulated more broadly and share more inspiring women's stories. If you'd like to work with me, if you'd like some help with your leadership and your development, then check out my website, www.leadership.com. You can book in there for a career review. We can talk about your goals, we can talk about your aspirations, and we can talk about what you want to achieve in your career, and um, I can help you get there. Hope you have a great day. Cheers.